Hello, everyone. It's Dave. I want to get right into this interview with Rocky. So all I want to say ahead of time is if you are listening to this on the Nobody's Knows YouTube page, please do click that subscribe button just down below. And the link to Rocky's Kickstarter that we're talking about, that's in the description below as well. If you're listening to this anywhere else, please think about going over to the Nobody's Knows YouTube page and subscribing. We could use those numbers. All right, let's just get right into this thing. Here we go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I've known you too long. It's been a long time since I've done one of these. So I thought it would make sense to come back, come out of my pandemic retirement with someone who was here way, way back by the beginning. My second episode was with Rocky Votolato, and he has come back. Normally when I have a guest who's been on before, I call it a, a catch-up, a check-in. It's been so long. It's been six years since we did that first podcast. And I think instead we're going to call it Rocky Votolato Returns. So Rocky, <laughs> welcome back to the room. Thanks, Dave. Nice to be back. All right, man. So you've got a lot going on right now. Yeah, absolutely. I sure do. So I thought it would, it would be good to get you in here. Um, I do want to say that this is going to screw up how I start these because, you know, normally I say I've known you too long. And I guess now I've just, I've known you too much, even longer. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably one of the people you've known longest in life now. huh? It's, it's up there. It's up there. There have been people, I mean, Bill was on this one and he goes all the way back to grade school. Yeah. But, well, uh, but I, yeah, you're I, way, you're, you're in there. I went down memory lane just a couple of days ago on a radio interview when they were asking me about Edge of Coral, your movie. <laughs> You brought it up. You brought up Andrew Quarrel. I did. <laughs> what did you What did you say to him? It was pretty cool. I, I mean, I just told him about the time I was walking in Spain and somebody recognized me and said, "It's Brian, Brian from Edge Quarrel." Tried to pull me into a bar to buy me a shot. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I I said this the last time because I listened to the episode last night so I could remember what we talked about, and, and I'm I apologized profusely then, and I, I continue now. <laughs> You don't have to apologize at all. That's the other thing I told him. I said it was fun and, you know. I oh, met, we all had I met, a good time, I think. I mean, it was amazing working with all those musicians at the time. It's a good document of the Seattle scene, I think, from that time. You know what I like? What's that? Every once in a while, somewhere in social media, on a message board, in a Facebook group, just somewhere out there, someone will pop up with something about Edge of Quarrel. And immediately, out of the woodwork, come brutal haters. <laughs> Really? And staunch defenders. Oh, wow. And it's always fun. And so I always like like to watch it for a little while and then pop in and comment like and just like anybody, you know? Almost like a group of straight edge guys against punk rockers, like going at it. I mean, there's only so many stories in the world, Rocky. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, it's awesome. And I told the, I told the, um, the radio host the other day that I was grateful because I actually met my wife making the movie. And yeah. So yeah. Good. And you know, we went over that too. Like, like, okay, <laughs> we are going to, so essentially what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to get started here and we're going to talk about your Kickstarter for your new record first, but yes. then we're going to go back six years and we're going to come up to date from there. Um, and we're going to find out what, what you've been doing. Cause 
I don't know if you remember, but you were in the process of releasing hospital handshakes. Whoa. Is that when we did the last? That's when we did the last one. And you couldn't tell us the name of the record. (laughs) It was a secret (laughs) that had not been revealed yet. Wow. Okay. So we're kind of in a similar timing here, although the the name of the new album's out. Yes. It's Wild Roots. (laughs) That's right. And we're going to talk a little bit about that too, because knowing you as I do and watching you go through this process for the time you've been working on this record and then seeing how you're talking about it, I have some questions. Great. I have answers, I hope. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) But let's talk about your Kickstarter. Okay. So when we're recording this, you have what, 13 days left on a month-long Kickstarter? That's right. Yep. All right. So at some point, if you're listening to this podcast and the Kickstarter is done, this first part will not really be as relevant, but it will be about what just happened recently or, I don't know, years from now, it'll be what happened years ago. Little totally. time capsule of the event. We will be celebrating or crying. <laughs> celebrating or crying. So, <laughs> so it's a one hundred thousand dollar Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. That's the number that you put on it. One hundred thousand dollars that you needed to make in thirty days, in order for it to be completely funded. Right. It's an all or nothing platform. All so, or nothing. Yep. That's how Kickstarter works. And right now, you are almost at sixty thousand dollars. Yep. Yep. We're just about 500 short of 60K. There's a chance, a decent chance that you'll hit 60 while we're recording this podcast. Yeah, that'd be cool. (laughs) I really hope, I really hope it will. Now, I have been out uh, doing a little bit of promotion here and there, you know, as like, as, as all of your friends, I think have been doing a little bit. Appreciate it. (laughs) And one of the things I want to talk to you about. So the first thing I'm just going to do right off the bat. Well, the first thing I'm going to do right off the bat is go find Rocky's Kickstarter for Wild Roots and get in it if you're not in it. There's such cool stuff you can get. I think there's still test press deals left. There's still awesome colored vinyl. Like the rarest colored vinyl is gone. And you know who got in that in the first couple hours? Me. So I'm going to have that record. You should get the second rarest colored vinyl because there's still some of that left. It won't be quite as cool, but it'll be cool. And it's worth doing. Yeah, there's less than 100 copies left of both the other colors available. And I, I announced it today that there's going to be a, a a fourth color. You have to add because yep. there's so many people getting in this, yeah. which is super cool. And I'm going to get that too. I'm going to get them all. <laughs> I love it, Dave. I, I can't do the test press because money. But, <laughs> but a lot of people are getting those test presses. And I know some people and they're going to be able to lord that over me, which is also fun for them. So I like all yeah. this. Um. And the guy that won the test press from the giveaway, he was so excited. Wait a minute. Someone actually won the test press from the giveaway? Yeah. That's a whole nother barrel of monkeys, can of worms, because <laughs> that giveaway got you kicked off of social media, didn't it? it? I don't know if it's if that's exactly what... It's still a mystery. We really don't no, know why. we know the mystery. You got... I mean, I haven't a, gotten any confirmation from Facebook. We're not communicating we'll, with you. Hopefully we'll find out, but... Okay, we'll get now we're jumping around. I'm going to bring it back in, put a pin in that. Yeah. Your Kickstarter uh-huh. in the next 13 days has to make another $40,000. That's right. I think it's very doable. Thanks. No, I appreciate the confidence. I think so too. I'm feeling really good about it. Um, we talked to um, a couple of people that work at Kickstarter and they felt good about this too. They said the campaigns are usually an S-curve. You know, they explode out of the gate and then they kind of plateau and then uh, towards the end in the last few weeks, and especially the last week, things usually ramp up again as people realize that the, you know, the chance to get any of the cool rewards is going away. And 
and everybody, you know, wants to see it get funded to get the rewards they have bought. So, yeah, sure. I think it's great. I mean, L- it's basically a, a glorified pre-sale, but um, yeah, it's not just people giving you money. No, no, it's for products and services. That I, that's the first thing I try to make clear to people because people think of it as like, hey, maybe this is, you know, like a GoFundMe or something. It's really not. This is this is basically it's a pre-sale of of products and services that people pay for. And then we spend, you know, the next six months fulfilling. Yeah. I just think it's a great tool that it's out there. I'm grateful that it's there. I think it's, it helps to empower artists, you know, to be able to continue making art and nothing wrong with that. So thanks to everybody out there who decides to support the Kickstarter. Excellent. Yeah. (laughs) So listen to me, people go get in on this Kickstarter. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Sorry. You can't get the cool vinyl. (laughs) But you can you can still get a, you can still get a test press and then I'll be jealous. Yep. Hey, and when we get to what is it, eighty five k, we're gonna unlock the fourth color oh, of vinyl. Eighty five k, and then I gotta spend announced, more money. I announced that today that we're gonna yeah, there'll be another <laughs> another color. Well, and you're you're going to release a music a little music video. Yeah, yeah. At seventy five, I'm gonna do a live video um, with my friend Abby Gunderson. You're going to do it. Yep, we're uh, filming it tomorrow. Very cool. And that's going to be a song from the record? Yep. Yeah, one of the first singles we're releasing off the new album. Okay. So that's that's a Kickstarter. Yep. Now I want to ask you questions. <laughs> Dave, let's go for it. I'm scared. I'm giving him a side eye, people, <laughs> as if I'm about to drop a bomb on him, as if I have I have details, but I, I don't. don't I, I do want to ask you about something. You said that this record was inspired by you looking at a field full of horses. That's right. That's what inspired this record. Well, that was what I was, yeah, I had, I just, I kind of had a moment where the whole vision for it just flashed into my mind. I, I happened to be looking out at a horse pasture that looked very similar to the one that I grew up on down in Texas. So did you think of the horses as the members of your family or did it remind you of your youth and then make you think of your family? The latter. Okay. So you didn't see a bunch of horses and say, look no. at those no, there was only a few horses in the in the pasture I was looking at, but it just it and had you have, the same you have more family members than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's explain what this is. Every song on this record is to a member of your family. That's right. Yeah. Now I want to say right off the bat that when I hear an artist is going to do something like that, I get concerned. Really? Yeah, because I get concerned I won't be able to relate to the song. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, and so I have something so conceptualized like that. Right, and so you are an artist and you know what you're doing. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> some of the <laughs> some of the songs I would say that, that people love most that you've done are incredibly personal with very, very specific lyrics about things that have happened in your life. Like mixtapes and cellmates, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that the one I'm thinking of? Yep, that one's from Suicide Medicine. Right. And there's there's others, but like it never like, I feel like a song, you want to be able to apply the lyrics when, they, when they're deep and meaningful. You want to be able to apply them in some way to your life, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things I always dislike is when someone puts someone else's name in a song. Ah. Or, or put something that is so specific that it can't be about what I'm thinking about anymore. I hear you. You naturally don't do that. All of these songs are very personal about your family and they all still feel relatable. They all still feel like I hear that and I'm like, well, I'm not just hearing a story about 
Rocky's family. I'm hearing something that I can relate to, or I can like kind of fall into and make it, make it my own in whatever way. That's There's a awesome, lot of, <laughs> it, but it's true. And I would have like, I, I definitely, I definitely worried the first time I heard you say you were doing a concept record. Mm-hmm. I think you said it a while back. It's a concept record and nothing makes my internal little like red flags, <laughs> like alarms go off. Like, Oh no. Oh no. Is Rocky going to do the first thing I don't like? <laughs> No, I love it. (laughs) It, So you didn't fall into a trap that tons of other people fall into. But then again, you've also made multiple good records and most people can't do that. So it's not, (laughs) it's not that surprising to me. Thanks, Dave. It's, it's harder than it looks to make for bands out there to make good records in a row. You know, I I don't know if I have, but I've, I've struggled and tried to do that. (laughs) I just, listen, my take on it is this. You are going to make music regardless. You have to. I think it's just who you are. And you put out records every once in a while. Yep. And you put everything into them and you, I, you beat yourself nearly to death almost every time. <laughs> and you bleed and sweat and cry for that art. Yeah. It comes out. That's accurate. So many bands put out record three. They're not, you know, it's like, oh, we wrote a bunch of songs about California because we're in California. <laughs> oh, great. I'm sure these will be awesome. I'm sure I'll remember. Like, let me tell you something. There aren't a lot of good second hardcore records. Is that right? There aren't a lot. Like, you know, Sick of It All makes good records consistently. There's a, there's a, there's a, okay. There are definitely a, 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 an amount, but a lot of times when something is really special, that, that's what you get. You get that one special record, you know? Yeah. And you consistently, you know, and you know, and listen, I'm not going to name any names, but I have spent hours talking to you about the bands that I used to love that I just, that just pissed me off <laughs> where I just took, I took the fact that I loved their early music so much. And when I hear that matured, we went through our influenced by the 1970s fate. When I hear that crap, it just goes, why did I ever, I wish I'd never heard you. I wouldn't feel this way now. <laughs> and I've never felt that way about anything you've done. Thanks buddy. And I'm, I'm glad you feel like, even though it's a concept record, like the songs, and even though the songs are specifically, you know, personal, that this, um, that they sort of feel uh, still universal in some way. That's kind of what they I was do. hoping to They do. They do. They absolutely do. And I'm, I'm, I haven't done one of these in a while. I guess I'm feeling a little salty, <laughs> but I'm not naming anybody's, I'm not naming any names. But seriously though, like I've always felt very passionately about the music that I like. And so it's always I a like bummer that. when you hear something and you're like, oh, you didn't try. Yeah, and then that's that doesn't happen with your stuff. Totally. So. No, I've never been guilty of not trying. I've tried too hard, too many times. But <laughs> I mean, that still comes through. I think, like you know, I don't, I, I don't know what I would point to, and and say, and say that was the case. But okay, so here's what I want to do. I said we were going to go back. So let's go back in time right now, six years. You're sitting a little bit further into the corner there. Yeah. It's a different room a little bit here, and. You can't tell me the name of Hospital Handshakes. (laughs) You're still in the process of recording the record Hospital Handshakes. Tell me about your life from that point forward. Wow. Yeah, I guess it's that record came out in 2015. Um, So it's been quite a few years. And it was received really well, right? Yeah, yeah, it really was. I know people. Good reviews. I know people that say it's their favorite Rocky Votolaro record. People that really like your stuff and celebrate like the entire catalog. That's really cool to hear. Yeah. I I mean, you know, it was, um, 
it was kind of a brutal time to be honest for me personally and and artistically like you know what i was going through at the time i was really digging up and dealing with demons you know super dark stuff do you think that came through in the music oh yeah i, f I feel like it did and i feel like the album uh, and then the EP that followed it up, the Sawdust and Shavings EP, like those. Was that recorded at the same time? A lot of it was, yeah. Okay. Most all of that stuff was recorded at the same time. There was a few things we added later, a couple of harmonies and things like that. A couple acoustic guitars out in a, a studio in Issaquah that uh, my brother was, Cody was working at. And Cody engineered the, um, the follow-up stuff we did on Sawdust and Shavings for that. Um, but yeah. The core stuff from the tracks mostly was recorded with Chris Walla at uh, Hall of Justice. And yeah, it was just a, you know, like I said, it was a very uh, just kind of a deep examination of what of my past and, you know, my own personal demons and what I was dealing with at the time. And and I feel like it was super cathartic, you know, and the people that relate to that record have said that to me. And, you know, the really the most special messages I've gotten from people, you know, have said that kind of thing that the that that album helped them through those kind of dark times and that they related to it for that reason, which is, you know, as an artist, that's like one of the best things you can hear. And so I think in that way, it was, the album was a success and, you know, i I toured on it a ton and then the touring for it kind of wrapped up in, I want to say like late 2018. And, um, and then after that, I was, that was when I had that, um, you know, the moment where I was standing in front of the horse pasture on tour and, I had just played a show and I, I walked out of the venue and, and walked out back and, you know, it was just, and then the whole idea hit me for the concept album for the new record. Okay. So that's good because I just realized that I had not finished talking about the horse pasture idea, the, the, the thing I wanted to talk about, about that, but, and it's, it's no big deal. Now I'm hyping it up. Like it's a big thing. I just wanted it to get back into some of that uh, past conversation we had from the last episode. Sure. But so hospital handshakes was your last full length. That's right. So you were on tour for two years on Hospital Handshakes, mm -hmm. into 2018 then. Yeah, yeah. Just so, because I didn't have another album out at that point. I mean, I released uh, the EP, Sawdust and Shavings, after that. But So let me ask you something. If COVID hadn't happened, because then COVID comes along mm -hmm. and just smacks us down. Totally. It, it's still a little while, but like, do you think you would have had this record done earlier and been touring on it? Would it have forced you to, to get this record out? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This record would have been done in 2020 at the latest. And then you would have toured on it. Yeah. That was the plan. So like, you would have been working. Oh yeah. 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 No, no. Yeah. I absolutely had my plans changed by COVID and like, as everybody, everybody else on the plan. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's, you know, it's been really hard on independent artists and the music, the music communities everywhere in the world. So I just think, um, you know, I feel really lucky that I was able to, you know, I didn't get sick and I was able to, you know, kind of ride it out and just lay low and, you know, just try to stay safe. And that's mostly what I did. And, was able to work on this record and it did in some ways that, you know, it made the record better because I had more time, I spent more time working on it and I'm super happy with it from a, uh, from like a production and songwriting standpoint. Like I feel like I spent more time on this record than I did anything I've recorded. So, <laughs> right. And in a way COVID, I mean, so you get this record out, you would have been touring on it. Right about now, you would have had new songs. Maybe you would have been thinking about another record. I mean, COVID really, I mean, I think everyone should realize, everyone that loves Rocky should realize that, that COVID also robbed us of probably another record. <laughs> At least an EP. <laughs> Just one down. Just something else. Just another <laughs> casualty of this bullshit. <laughs> There's been a lot of them. 
All right. So you're looking at this horse pasture mm -hmm. and it's reminding you of a horse pasture that was very influential to you when you were younger. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up on a, uh, a 15 horse. We had quarter horses. So 15 horse ranch, um, that my grandmother, um, had built down in Texas. Um, this is in frost. This is in frost before yeah. Houston. Yep. Yeah. So before the fire, uh, no, no, no. The, 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 before the tornado. The tornado took the house down. I yep. listened to our, hey, people, you can go back and you can listen to the first episode where Rocky explains all this stuff about Texas. <laughs> it's from 2015. You can go to the Nobody's Knows YouTube channel and listen to it there. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or you can go to the Nobody's Knows website and it's on there. I listened to it again last night and I don't think you talked about horses. I think you talked about riding horses a little bit. Maybe, yeah. But we really moved past it really quickly. Yeah. And I don't think I realized that you grew up on a horse ranch. Totally. We just... How much of your day, like, and what ages are we talking about? How old were you? Were you born into that? Um, by like, I think second or third grade, I was on the, on the horse ranch. My, my dad and my grandma and my uncles all like rode and... Uh, and took care of horses and showed horses and, you know. Um, so motorcycles and horses. Yeah. I mean, the motorcycles kind of came later. Oh, okay. Okay. These, <laughs> well, my don't, dad, these don't overlap. <laughs> well, my dad got into, you know, the gang and all that. And it, it did overlap, you know, but when they were, when he was a kid, he was just doing the horses with, um, you know, with his mom and my grandmother. And it was really her dream. She's the one who wanted to, you know, have this horse ranch and have, uh, so she had 15 horses, which, was a lot to keep up with. And so what, what were these horses for? For showing. So, and we had also, this is they kind didn't of a race. Cool story. They weren't stud. They were, they we were, we had showing? one, one stud. Okay. Guess what his name was? Rocky. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> a white horse stud named Rocky. And that's, I think where my name came from. So, <laughs> oh, oh, I was Rocky, Rocky. I was just making a joke, <laughs> but it's the truth. Oh my God. God, wait! You were named after the stud horse. Yep. What? What? What was Sunny? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my dad was into gangster movies. He wanted, <laughs> you know, it come from the came from the Godfather. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Literally, I thought that you and I, when I looked at you and we like did that like rock like. I thought it's because we were making a joke together. You're telling me that you're, the stud horse was named Rocky. Yeah. You were named after Be the stud. beautiful white stallion named Rocky. Um great horse pretty he was kind of mean sometimes but <laughs> and uh but we had beautiful they were quarter horses so i don't know if, if people know what that means but explain it please because i don't no, it's it's just a, a specific kind of breed of horse that became the most popular in texas um just because of their strength and speed and agility and um but yeah they're just beautiful Do these animals. horses run races um well they used to help to uh, herd cattle you know, so these are the horses that the cowboys would ride. Yes, absolutely. When they were when they Hurting, were doing, okay, yeah, taking you know tons and tons of uh, of steers, you know, across the country from like Texas up to Oklahoma or wherever they were, right? You know, running them, um, and so that's how the quarter horse became super popular. And you know, I think it's at that time, and anyway, it was the most popular horse in Texas. And this um, is something that people still do. Yes, absolutely. Okay, I don't know so if the would, quarter horse is still as popular, but. Would would someone every once in a while show up and buy a horse? No, we didn't really sell the ones we had at that okay. point. You know, um, they they were more like really became like pets and were 
in shows, you know, that my uncles would, uh, would do. But by the time, you know, by the time I was on the horse ranch, a lot of them were getting older and they were, you know, weren't getting shown as much. And it was, it was just became more like, you know, so you, know, you had daily ranch chores for a while. Yeah. I mean, we all kind of split it up. My mom did a ton and, um, yeah, so it was just kind of a, did she, did she ever go out on the porch and ring a triangle for you all to come in for dinner? <laughs> Probably not. I don't know. Just but we, we were outside all day. You know, that's something that's. So you all come running and there's like a, there's like a healthy, hearty American meal. <laughs> You'll hold hands and say grace. And then. Yeah. And there was just animals everywhere because we also um, had Rottweilers, like a bunch of Rottweilers and. Really? Yeah. Like three cats and cats, dogs, um, horses. It was just, you know. But it wasn't a farm. You didn't have food animals. No. Okay. No, we later, we had some rabbits and, you know, it was, yeah, it was your, your standard, um, rural Texas upbringing, I guess. <laughs> I think a lot of people have no idea what that would be like. Yeah. Yeah. It was culture shock moving up here for sure. <laughs> but yeah. Any, well, let me ask you that. Were there like, were there even trees? Not really. Very few trees. We had mesquite trees, but it was mostly flat pastures. Okay. And rolling hills are flat, pretty flat. Like you can just see for miles and that's, you know, very different from the landscape up here. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, that must've been weird. Yeah. Very strange. And yeah, so it was a great way to grow up. And, um, and anyway, it just kind of triggered all these memories from my past. And I, and that's when the idea hit me, I thought, you know, Hey, I want to make a song for each of my family members to kind of tell the story, you know, so the, the album kind of takes you on a journey through, you know, the lens of my closest relationships. And so, yeah, and it kind of tells that story of my family, you know, living in Texas. And then um, the tornado that you mentioned, you know, mm -hmm. happened around the time that my parents got divorced. And then, and then we, uh, you know, we moved up to when my mom remarried my stepdad who worked at Boeing up here in Seattle. That's how we made the trip up to the Northwest. And, and that's kind of when life started to get better for us as a family. And it was all pretty uh, dark and, and um, tumultuous down in, in Texas. So it was a dark time, but this isn't a dark record. No, those actually, memories. That's what yeah. I was going to say. Like it, it sounds to me and with a lot of the things you've written before and a lot of the ways you've talked about this, there's a lot of pain and, and trauma, it seems like, associated with that time in your life mm -hmm. that has come through in a lot of your work. This record is different. Absolutely. And it's, I think the deal is, is I think the way you express it is still informed by that trauma, but these aren't, these aren't sad songs. No, I feel like, you know, it's really, it's cool because... A lot of that worked out and or was worked out through Hospital Handshakes, you know, and that record kind of um, dealt with and embodied a lot of that trauma and difficult things I was going through and really cleared it for me personally, which is great. And I think art has the ability to do that. And that's one of the reasons I think it's amazing. And, you know, I, I just think it's it's good for people, you know, to to make art and, and listen to music. And but but yeah, that's a lot of that was worked out through Hospital Handshakes. And this album was different because I feel like I was able to more just from an artistic perspective, come at it and like try to write good songs and tell these stories, but not get so hung up on my own personal 
problems or what I was dealing with. It's more like I was really trying to do this as a, a gift to the people who've been there for me, you know, and the people I love in my life. And also just, yeah, make something that would make them feel special. And yeah, so I tried my best to do that and offer this kind of as a gift, you know, to them and to everybody else who's been on this musical journey with me, you know, making all these albums. And <laughs> uh, so I hope people like it. I mean, I, I'm really happy with it artistically. I don't think I usually come out of the gate saying that because I'm usually a, l- a bit more self-conscious and kind of, I don't know, it's harder for me to be really excited about what I do or what I used to do. Because it was always just happening, almost automatic writing style and like, you know, a, like lot a, a therapy of, or something. Yeah. A lot of people I know that make records, as soon as it, they kind of want to just move past it and get on to the next thing. Yeah. And and to, to to varying different degrees. And I've seen you that way with some of your stuff before, too. But this, yeah, no, you seem you still seem very happy about this. I know. Yeah, I, I do. I feel really good about the record do and you, about life in general, which is great. <laughs> do you think not being able to play these songs on tour is also part of why you're not tired of them? Could be. I mean, yeah, I don't know, though. I, I feel like... Like the process here's, is delayed. Here's something like, that I've realized over the years is songs that I get tired of just aren't as good as songs. Like songs that I... I can play for years over and over, especially with what I'm trying to do. Cause I'm going for something classic and traditional. And I want like to find that universal element in a song or a story I'm telling. And so, you know, songs like white Daisy passing or, or songs that people have really connected with over the years for me, I never get tired of. I'm just like, Oh, it's, it just has more of that feeling um, that you can keep coming back to. And yeah. So I'm hopeful that, I've used that kind of as a litmus test to to weed out songs that I don't like. And if, you know, if I get, if, when I'm trying them out or trying out the material, um, if I can continue to play it for a while, then it's like, oh, that's worth recording. <laughs> nice. Not going to get sick of that really quick. <laughs> right on. Okay. So let's, I think that's it though. I mean, you've got a good record coming out and this, hopefully this COVID thing is dying down. You're going to be able to be full-time music again before too long. Yeah. I hope to be um, doing a lot more shows again. You know, that's, that's been a huge change in my life. Just not having that, you know, just getting out and playing songs for people. So really looking forward to hopefully early next year, getting some shows booked. Is this the, the longest it's been since you've been to Europe? Oh yeah. In how long? Oh my like, God. Like a decade. In 10 years? Oh yeah. Okay. Easily. Yeah. I was just Skyping with one of my good friends over in Berlin and, and then another buddy in Hamburg. And I just have so many friends over there who I would see like twice a year. I mean, it's been I'm... part of your, your life, totally. part of your job to yeah. go over there. Like sometimes twice a year? Usually. Yeah. Yeah. At least. And so I, I've really missed that. That's something that's been super tough about just being home and you know, I just have so many good friends. And when you don't get to see them, even if you're just used to seeing them a couple of times a year, but if you don't you get to have that, it's really tough. So looking forward to that. Yeah, um, at least we have social media where you can, you know, you can to, jump on and, and, and be in some communication with Right. Them. If I get back on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, hey, we, <laughs> we haven't talked. About so it. no, we didn't even get into that. So yeah. we'll move back towards the Kickstarter talk, but we will do that in, we, we teased this earlier. You got kicked off of your social media oh my God. for being a, for being a, a scammer, for being a hacker. <laughs> I don't, you don't know why. The truth is, I don't really know why. We, we, we suspect <clears throat> that it's because I gave away a free test pressing and they thought the contest looked like a scammer or something. 
Right. We, the algorithm did it. It was a bot. You know, no human knocked me off of there. And there's an active ticket at Facebook now, and they've been working on it uh, since, uh, well, like over a week now. That's great. One week Monday. of your four-week Kickstarter. Exactly. Perfect timing. So one. So <laughs> let's let's throw this out there. One week into your Kickstarter, yeah, you throw up a thing on Instagram that says, hey, I'm going to give away a test pressing. Totally. And the way you win it is you tag two of your friends in the comments. And like this post. And yeah. like this post. And then- Everyone who does that mm-hmm. is in the is in the drawing for the Kickstarter. Totally. Or no, is in the drawing for the test pressing. For the test pressing, yeah. And then and then I gave a time, a date and a time that we would uh, randomly choose a winner from the people. Who, and that time passed before you got locked out. Uh, no, it, it, it we got locked out two days before that time. But I I still just from all the people who did sign up, um, I I just chose a name from that. Yeah, I had, and I had so many people who had already emailed me and commented, like I had seen tons of the names. And so, um, yeah. So you just like hitting a brick wall, your Instagram disappears. Mm -hmm. You have, uh, you're actually paying Facebook to to run ads on the Kickstarter. You have a campaign going, like a Facebook campaign, right? Like Uh, an ad, a sponsored ad. Yeah, I had those. You had that running, but then at the same time, because Instagram and Facebook are linked, like Facebook owns Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. As soon as you lose Instagram, they shut you down on Facebook. Totally. Yeah. And, and like, it's tough boom. these days because as a small business owner, that's your main way to be able to reach people. And so, I mean, I have my mailing list and the Kickstarter updates and, you know, yeah. bands in town and some other ways. Bandcamp is another one that I've gone to for the last week. But you can't hit the, those are more like once a week type of formats. Yeah. They're yeah. not used the same way as like Facebook and Instagram where it's daily and you're kind of, you know, posting little clips and videos just to keep people keep yourself on their mind. Yeah. So, yeah. So not having that's been hugely stressful. And I think it points to the, you know, the problem that we all are aware of that Facebook's a monopoly and like, you know, they really hurt small businesses because they don't have a customer service department. Well, there's no way to say, Hey, I'm not scamming people. No, everybody like there's a way for people to say, Hey, you know, this isn't a, this is something we all want. (laughs) We want to be able to get involved in this Kickstarter. There's no way to get in touch with Facebook. I mean, that's the thing is like, once you're logged out and locked out, like, you know, there's just, they don't have any good, they don't have a customer service department. So they basically just, you know, they've bought up and destroyed all other ways to, you know, market and to advertise to people. And so it's really difficult for small business owners because you're kind of at the, at the mercy of them. And now they charge you you know, sure. to be able to reach your own followers. And a lot of people are, are complaining about that online and worried about it. And I don't know what's going to happen with it, but I so really, you're not back. You're not back yet. No, I may not get it back. I mean, I might not even get my accounts back. We'll see. I have a ticket in that my friend who works at Oculus has put in because Oculus is owned by Facebook. And that's just been sitting there in a queue for a full week with nobody, no support rep picking it up. If it got picked up by a support rep, they could escalate it. But nobody's even touched the ticket. It's been sitting there for a week. Wow. So it's been hugely frustrating. But Well, sure. And it really, it really took the wind out of the sails. On oh, the yeah. Side. I mean, we, all the sales dropped, you know, tremendously. So here's the thing. I still think and believe that we're going to get over the goal because mm-hmm. I just have a good feeling about it and so much support. And, and we've had such good momentum. But, but it definitely made it so that we, you know, we lost a lot of money from it. You lost you know? potential. Yeah, potential for more people to be involved. Because the thing about about every Kickstarter that I've been a part of and that I've seen is that when they get past the goal, people, they start adding stretch goals. 
is start saying, hey, if we hit 125, we're going to do this. Totally. You've got to get there to be able to do that, though. There could be all kinds of things that you have in the works that you've got to get to. Absolutely. And we this have... this robbed that. Totally. Like robbed all of us of whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. It's been a bad timing, like we said. But yeah, because like you mentioned, you know, those stretch goals are there. We had a we had a list of things we were hoping to do. And and, uh, and you my, might still could I mean, be. who knows what the next two you weeks never know. Like. <laughs> but my, I mean, when this podcast launches, I'm sure. <laughs> gonna, like, <laughs> yeah, you're going to get the, uh, the I've known you too long bump. Yeah. The famous bump. It'll just go crazy. But my, <laughs> my buddy Adam from Murder by Death, his last Kickstarter, they did $330,000, which, you know, that that's a huge amount. And that's going to be a lot of work afterwards, too, I imagine. Oh, yeah. So much. Stuff Absolutely. Yeah. I talked to him about that, too. And. They were making birdhouses for people. Like, <laughs> it's really cool. But Wait, it, it, are you telling me that you were going to have a stretch goal for a Rocky Vodalado birdhouse? Nope. <laughs> I don't know the first thing about it. But Adam and Sarah know how to make them. So it was kind of cool. If, if anybody hasn't heard of Murder by Death, you should go check them out and look at their, I think they're going to launch a new Kickstarter, you know, for their next project sometime soon. But, but, uh, but yeah, they, they do those all the time. I mean, it's just become part of their business. It's like a, it's basically a cool pre-sale. It's a cool way yeah. to get people the records and yeah and honestly i feel like in some people's minds there's a little bit of a, a meshing of the idea of a gofundme and a kickstarter and they're different right yeah they're very totally different and you brought that up different. earlier yeah yeah no i don't i think this is i support it i think it's something that allows artists more autonomy independent artists get a chance to be directly in touch with their fans you know and making something with them and for them and fans get an opportunity to be involved you know, we've got one option in there of liner notes and people can, you know, for hundred dollars, you can sign up to get your name in the, in the actual record, you know? So yeah. people feel good about that. And, and I love that too, because this record more than anything I've done, my fans are a part of it, you know, and, and helping me actively to be able to get to that goal. And so it's something as a community, you know, we're doing together and I really love that feeling. I know they do. Before I was kicked off Facebook and Instagram, I was having so much great interaction, you know, with comments and, and just the beautiful messages that they've sent me about just what my music's meant. And it's been a really life-affirming experience um, and super fun. So I think um, whatever happens with it, you know, it's, it's been a really good experience. And well, I, I think we're going to the goal. Well, a bunch of us are going to work really hard in the next couple of weeks to, to do that. And listen, if you're out there and you're listening to this, where can you spread the word about this Kickstarter for Rocky? Like, what can you do to, like, let people know? Because every little bit helps. So share it somewhere. Share it on your Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Like, hey, kids, that place that you go to that none of us old people know about anymore, your secret <laughs> spot, tell them about Rocky. Thanks, Dave. Well said. Um, yeah, because it's true what Dave said. Every every single person matters, you know, and every single, even if, even, I talked to my sister about it. She was like, I'll post it, but I don't have that many followers. And I was like, even if you, even if one other person found out about it because of that, the this is what I thought. And when we came up with the $100,000 goal, it's like, if you have a thousand people at a hundred dollars, that's, that's a hundred grand. It's really not we're not trying to reach the masses here. You know, I want quality over quantity and that relationship with a thousand people who really care about me and what I'm doing as an artist. And that's, what's important to me. Like that's my model now, you know, I want like to be there for them and make the art that that's meaningful in their lives. And so, yeah, I think that's a cool way to, to approach this. And 
we're already at almost as many people as contributed to the last Kickstarter. That's like, amazing. We're, I think it was 712 total and we're at like 650 something now. Um, it was 712 on, on the television of Saints one 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago. Yeah. And this one is, is uh, we're already closing in on that 700 and we st- we're like halfway through and we've over doubled, you know, what the, the last one was. Or not quite. Yeah, we've we've gotten. It was somewhere in the 30s, and we're yeah we're gonna hopefully go over 60 today. <laughs> oh, hey, it may have already happened. It may have already happened while we were talking. Hey, and you, you don't have a Patreon yet, do you? No, but you're gonna. I've been thinking a lot about it. Yeah, that's, you and I have talked about that a little bit. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a it's kind of an extension of this where you're you're making cool stuff for people. And yeah, but more often instead of like six, you know, or ten years in between Kickstarters for for albums or whatever, or even you could do something on a monthly basis for people. Absolutely. Yeah. You can do all kinds of fun projects and cover songs and yeah, I don't, I don't know how it will play out, but I've, I've seen some, um, some artists that I think are really cool do those. And, um, I know like it only works if it works for you, if you're the kind of person who would like it, but I, I am not part of any yet, but there's a bunch that I'm lined up to be part of. Cause there's some people who do who I watch their stuff on YouTube or wherever. And then I'm like, I do want to see the content they have on their Patreon page. Nice. So I, yeah, no, I definitely, I could see that being something that would work really well for you. Yeah. I'd like to try it. I think, um, yeah, that would be cool. So what I'm saying is right now, as we're recording this, it's the middle of October, 2021. If it's 2022, go find Rocky's Patreon and get on board. <laughs> Sign up for his, oh, go subscribe to his YouTube channel also. That's really important. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Go to Rocky's Kickstarter for Wild Roots. If you're listening to this on the YouTube channel, there's a link in the, uh, in the description below. If you are listening to this on the podcast, go to nobodiesknows.com, find the page for this podcast and go to the link, or just go to that Google thing and look it up. You're a true professional, Dave. Go to Rocky's website and sign up for his mailing list, for, his, like for his email list. <laughs> Not his, he's not going to send you a physical letter. <laughs> yeah. Let's Get, go. Let's go around Facebook. What's that? Let's, let's, let's go around Facebook. Yeah, just go around them. Send Rocky an envelope with 10 self-addressed stamped envelopes inside and Rocky will send you 10 letters. <laughs> no. Dave's full of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> go back. Yeah. Go back to the old days. All right. Rocky, what do you want to say on the way out? Oh, I'm just so grateful to everybody who's been a part of the Kickstarter and who's helping support to get this project out. And yeah, thanks for getting us across the goal. We're going to do it. We are going to do it. (laughs) All right, buddy. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, there it is, people. I hope if you were on the fence... You've decided to jump into that Kickstarter with Rocky for Wild Roots and help get this thing off the ground. I hope if you've never actually heard of Rocky before, you're checking him out and you're digging it and you want to jump in on this Kickstarter. Or you know what? Even if you don't want to jump in on this Kickstarter, check out his stuff. Rocky's great. And unlike a lot of the music I listen to, I have no reservations at all about recommending him to anyone. Now, as for this Kickstarter and the $100,000, let me explain something. If I were a multimillionaire, I would have already bought every reward. He'd be well over the 100000 no problem at all. I'm not. I'm probably in for about the same percentage. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm, math is not my strong point. But get in. I'll probably be raising my pledge anyway because he's going to get more colored vinyl in there. And you know I have to have it. 
Plus, I just want to see this thing get done. So, uh, yeah. I don't think I have any corrections for the episode. I believe as, as this episode is going up, Rocky may have gotten control of all of his social media back. There may still be a delay on Facebook, but most of that has been taken care of. So the last 10 days or so, he's hopefully going to be able to go full force on it. For me, I've spent most of the pandemic working on YouTube stuff. Stuff that I could do at home and build content, build a couple of channels. I started with Quarter Bash. I talked about that a little bit on the last episode, but Quarter Flips has been my focus this year. And it's really what I'm most excited about. If you would go to YouTube and search quarter flips, like a quarter, right? Like you're flipping a quarter heads or tails, or just go into the description below and there'll be a link. It's a reselling channel. Essentially, I'm taking all that packing and shipping knowledge that I got from doing the record label for all those years and the Himsa merch time that I did and everything else I did with packing and shipping all through the 90s and 2000s, putting all that to good use, reselling stuff online for a job, basically. So I'm finding cheap stuff, putting it up on eBay and Discogs, flipping it, making videos about it, finding lots of treasures, having a lot of fun. I'm doing a thing where I'm turning a $1, well, it wasn't even a $1 bill, it was four quarters. I take four quarters to a sale, buy one item, and then I'm tracking the things that I buy off the money from that one item all the way up until I have enough money to buy a new car. So definitely go check that out if you would. Subscribe, it would be really awesome. I'm trying to hit a thousand subscribers by the beginning of 2022, which will be the channel having been up for a year. And you know, I try to make them funny. It's just me with my phone camera making dumb videos. Go check it out if you don't mind. Okay, I think that's it. That's all I have to say. Rocky, Kickstarter, Wild Roots, Quarter Flips, let's go. And thank you. This podcast is a product of the Nobody's Knows Podcast Network. Executive Producers, David R. Larson and K. Drake Streetman. Music for this episode is provided by Polymorph from the album Artifacts, Demos and Debris.